Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast, where the best in the biz come to talk all things fitness, nutrition, overcoming challenges, to helping you on your journey to greatness. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome. Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Coach P, and we are back for another science-filled episode. Today's episode is focused on the one, the only, the nefarious alcohol. Now, back up, because I know when we get into this episode, people are going to be like, hey, I like my average old-fashioned, or I like my red glass of wine, Coach Chris. And I'm like, you know what? You are absolutely right. I, myself, have been known to have enjoyed the average Cabernet or the well-crafted, smoky old-fashioned or the decadent Manhattan or, hell, even an espresso martini. Hey, you might even find me having a good old hazy IPA. I am not against alcohol in any way, shape, or form. Let me preface this with that. However, we are starting to find that there are more negative aspects of our on negative impacts on our health from alcohol than what we might think. Yes, when we actually look at certain research or what the recommendations are in the health space, we see that they usually recommend no more than one to two uh, drinks per day for men and no more than one drink per day per women. Now, <clears throat> Take that with, you know, a thought as well. How often do you just have one in a sitting? Even for the average individual who says that they don't have a problem with alcohol and they drink in moderation, when they do drink, they are having at least four, sometimes as much as six drinks in one session, which counts as binge drinking. And a lot of people overlook the overall impact of binge drinking. Binge drinking is just as bad, if not bad sometimes, when it comes to drinking every single day. And although they might say things like you get health benefits from having a glass of wine a day from the resveratrol and the impact that it can have on your health, there's there's a lot of negatives and, and, and that comes from that more than there are positives. And now that we can know a lot more of the science behind alcohol consumption, we can illuminate some of these related issues. I would like to give credit to a lot of the scientists out there who have put this information together over the years throughout all of the uh, epidemiological research that I'm about to break down. Dr. Human, for the inspiration of all, of all as always, as giving the best scientific podcast that he gives out there, you know, the mind pump guys. I just like to give all of these individuals credit because it is because of them that I decided to get into the podcast space and bring this information to you. So let's begin with just one of the biggest things to start by knocking it out of the park and talk about low to moderate alcohol consumption and debunk this potential that you can have a few uh, one to two drinks per day and be okay. When in fact, there's been research that shows that alcohol causes neurodegeneration. We've known this, right? I've known this since I was a kid in high school when my health teacher told me that drinking kills brain cells. Okay, duh. But never went into the drastic intent as to, well, how much does it destroy brain cells? And so in what we know from a recent study, looking at more than 30,000 individuals in the middle-aged and older adults in the UK, across the lake here, that drink various amounts of alcohol and found that even when it's low to moderate amounts of alcohol, as little as one to two drinks per night or as much as seven to, 17, seven to 14 drinks per week revealed 
that this chronic alcohol intake, no matter how low, still cause degeneration in particular neurons in the brain. And what we're going to talk about even further later on, which is very, very fascinating, is its overall impact on stress and certain hormones in the body as well. And the biggest thing that a lot of people often underlook is how sometimes when they're not going through periods of drinking, how they feel more on top of themselves as far as being able to put their best foot forward when it comes to stress levels and mindset and so on and so forth. And for a lot of people out there, they might just be simply unaware of how much of a trigger alcohol really can be. And so and I really want to bring this to light just due to my own experiences that I've had. Um, and we'll touch on this here uh, later on. But let's let's start with the overall historical context uh, and the overall use of alcohol. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, it, it dates back for a long time. You know, we all had our first drink back in school. Um, I remember, you know, I had my first drink back when I was 14 years old. Um, it's, it's, it's part of our culture, particularly in the United States. Um, and it's socially accepted. It's funny because alcohol is the only drug that people will look down upon you if you don't drink and wonder where well, you're weird if you don't have a beard. <laughs> It's absolutely ass backwards, especially when we know that it does have detrimental effects that we know, especially as the older we get, we just can't handle that hangover, you guys. Um, And so, you know, but it's because alcohol has been known to kill bacteria, um, which is why it's been used for medicinal purposes in the past. We also need to realize that it also kills good bacteria in our gut that can lead to things like leaky gut syndrome and can also cause uh, poor gut health environments. Um, And when when we're in this day and age where a lot of us are focused on fat loss and optimization of energy and clarity and... making sure that we are at lower risk of chronic disease, gut health plays a very, very vital role. And consuming alcohol on <clears throat> on a regular basis could potentially be doing damage to that gut bacteria, and it takes a while to build it back up. Um, and so when it comes to things like feeling less motivated and being less happy, more stressed, and so on and so forth, that could be a potential impact of alcohol, uh, and even in a regular low-moderate dose usage. And so... The biggest thing that we talk about in the fitness industry, we might as well knock this one out of the way, is whenever we're working with fitness clients and we're working with individuals who want to lose weight, you know, they often, one of the biggest questions I often get asked is, how can I work alcohol into my plan? (laughs) And I got to be honest with you, I always laugh because my first thing is, well, why are you still trying to keep a vice in your program when you're trying to improve yourself for the better? Um, In my experience with myself anecdotally, and working with adults, kicking alcohol to the curb is always 100% recommended. It's just due to the impact of what alcohol has on the body. Not only its negative impact on your endocrine system and your hormone levels, but the fact that it is just simply empty calories. And when you are trying to utilize calories to the maximum of your abilities for recovery, energy, and overall nutrient function, especially as you go down into a deficit, There's just no place for empty calories, particularly from alcohol. Yeah, we talk about empty calories coming from things like sugars and candies and other things that we don't need. But when it coming from alcohol, it's it's just it begs the question why. And so, you know, we we talk a lot about things, and I'll talk about the end as far as what certain strategies we can utilize for this. 
Um, because we do work with, especially at Evolve, we work with a lot of professionals and we work with a lot of people who, when they travel or have to do the work or have work functions that it's looked down upon them if they don't drink, if they're trying to make a sale or trying to make a business relationship. And, you know, while I realize that, yes, that might be important at the same time, if they, they, why, why wouldn't they respect you more for not drinking? You know, if I kind of see it as a way for you to, you know, still be able to be in the sales game and come from a different perspective perspective that might actually catch people off guard. And who knows that if you use that in the right way. Um, but that's, that's, that's something to be discussed later. Um, but the fact that these are just empty calories that put substantial stress on your cells of the body is why, why would we use that? Um, <clears throat> And in particular, um, in just doing uh, research into this and looking at the overall effects of alcohol for sure, um, is that we know that produces substantial stress to NAD. And NAD is getting a lot of attention nowadays when it comes to longevity. Dr. David Sinclair talks about this a lot when he talks about his NMN supplements and NAD supplements and overall mitochondrial health and how you know utilizing NAD can be really, really helpful for certain uh, processes uh, in the body that could potentially improve longevity in youth. Um, I know Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about this as well. Um, but what we know about alcohol is that it is able to pass through almost all cells and tissues in the body and can have a direct impact on those cells. So, and, 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 and is involved in the production of toxic molecules, in this case, acetylaldehyde and acetate. And so, what can, and so we know that alcohol is poison. And if it's directly impacting your NAD and your ability to overall generate energy, then this is what could be potentially pre aging you in a way and stressing you further. And so <clears throat> alcohol is just this. <laughs> and you probably noticed after a long period of time of drinking alcohol, you probably feel more sluggish. You probably feel more tired. You're, you're probably have more dark, uh, dark circles around your eyes. You might just, for lack of a better word, look older. Now, I'm not saying that you completely aged yourself in, you know, a, a holidays period of drinking. Um, but when you do this consistently throughout the years and you compare yourself to individuals who don't drink, there are vast differences. So let's move down into how alcohol affects overall impulsivity and memory formation, because this is what is really fascinating to myself. And so and what we find is that you know, whenever we drink, <clears throat> oftentimes we're doing it for the purpose of either lowering our inhibitions, you know, trying to have fun. But the problem is, is after you feel one drink, you start to feel a little bit of the effects and you start to feel good. But then over time, it's they start to dissipate. And the only way to keep those good feelings going is to continue to drink more. But we know as we continue to drink more, we start to lose more and more and more of our overall function. And as you all know, you've all been there before. And then as a result, over time, what we don't take into account is the impacts that it has on us the next day and the way that our neural circuitry work. And so what happens is, is what we see in alcohol consumption of chronic drinkers over a long period of time, uh, they, they start to find that because of the effects of alcohol in the gut brain, of the gut, uh, of the gut bacteria, and on its overall impact on neurons, specifically related to things like stress and things like <clears throat> overall memory formation and storage, we actually find that it creates this 
increase in baseline levels of stress compared to how you were before. And so you, you, you go into this state of not depression, but you just feel down. And we've all been this before. It's called hangovers. <laughs> uh, but our overall, uh, if we look at its overall impact on the brain, our top-down inhibition is diminished. Our executive functioning system is diminished of cognitive function. And when you break down all the aspects of cognitive function, we have things such as decision-making, pattern recognition. Uh, we have volition which is overall willpower. Um, we have the ability to think things through logically. And overall, if you can't think things through logically and you're more stressed, not only is that going to push you more into flight or flight and be and negate your ability to actually enable proper executive functioning of the brain, but if you can't think things through logically, you're going to end up becoming more stressed and indirectly in increasing your overall baseline of stress. And when this happens, Chronic circuits, uh, chronic drinking will, in effect, these neural circuits specifically that have to do with impulsive behaviors. And so, and if you are more likely to reach for a drink when you are stressed, then those impulses are only going to become stronger over and over, which is why you get caught in this vicious cycle of continuing to drink and drink so that you can feel good again. And so it begs the question of, is this a potential uh, you know, circuitry route that it goes into why people continue to drink and have a drinking habit and potentially even develop alcoholism? Um, and so it becomes really, really interesting to see how this affects the human body. And if we want to take this a step further, if we compare and contrast the, the impact that it has on your brain on levels of stress and impulse behaviors. And I like to relate this to good habit formation because when we talk about with our brand new athletes and clients, one of the best things to do in order to change your life is to change your habits and build better habits and reduce good and reduce bad habits. And oftentimes when we're trying to do that, if you're continuing to drink and you're increasing your, your levels of impulsivity and your levels of stress, and every time you stress out, Instead of doing the thing that we advise you to do as far as, you know, what to do for neuroplasticity and changing the way you think and being able to regulate your nervous system and be able to think logically and then perform the activity that's going to replace the bad habit. Instead, you're going to be more impulsive in, to go into back into the bad habit and utilize whatever self-soothing habit that you do to soothe your stress, i.e. drinking alcohol, utilizing pornography, over scrolling on Instagram, whatever the... Uh, activity is. And it'll be very, very difficult for you to break from that pattern. And unfortunately, what we see with this is when you are consistently drinking alcohol and you're trying to reset yourself and get back to a point of normalcy, we see that it actually takes upwards of two to six months of complete abstinence from alcohol for your brain's neurocircuits to be remodified back to their original state. And so, and what they say is that if you're drinking for many years, it, it may not be able to be remodified at all. And so it becomes very, very difficult to make those changes and why alcohol has such a negative impact on the body. And so it begs the, it, it really starts to bring this to the forefront and saying, is it really worth drinking at all? Now, when it comes to living life, and having a balance, um, <clears throat> sure, maybe having one to two drinks per week might be okay. Once you've reached that point to where you have allowed your neurons to remodify. But if you find that you're currently in a state of hell and you are struggling with anxiety, you are struggling with impulse behaviors, you can't seem to figure out why you can't adhere to an exercise program or you cannot 
form better habits or get better sleep and you're still consistently drinking, we got to drop the habit, but you got to give it the time of at least two to six months to potentially give your body that time to remodify the neural circuitry of your brain to go back to normal. And so let's now take it a step further with how alcohol relates to things like our happy neurotransmitter serotonin and depression. Um, And when it comes to these things, We find that because of alcohol's impact on inhibition, executive functioning, and increasing habitual and impulsive behavior circuitry, we find that alcohol also has a negative impact on serotonin, which is the neurotransmitter that's released in the brain for feelings of good well-being and happiness. And although we find that low serotonin is associated with depression, we find that alcohol also can negatively impact the effect that serotonin has in the, in the neural circuitry. And the only way for you to get into a better mood is to continue drinking. And it goes into this vicious cycle more and more and more. And so when it comes to stress, and this is the biggest thing, because I know many of us deal with this nowadays, is how alcohol impacts the areas of the brain that are associated with stress. And we know in particular the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland are, are, are directly related to having a control over your behavior and mindset and overall the impact on the adrenals and our central nervous system. And so when it comes to the adrenals and its overall impact of releasing certain hormones in the bloodstream, these are things that are going to affect things like thirst, our appetite, and our particular release of hunger hormones. It's going to impact our overall ability to handle stress and emotional resilience. And what we see is individuals who regularly drink, they actually also make changes to this hypothalamic pituitary gland relationship. And that results in even more cortisol being released at baseline. Imagine imagine this, because we talk about cortisol a lot, especially in the sleep space um, and the utilization of caffeine. And we often talk to our athletes and clients about waiting to utilize caffeine until cortisol has naturally done its process in the body. Because we know all hormones, all cells, all organs, all have their own sinus rhythms throughout the day. They all have their own circadian rhythms where they're supposed to be at high expression at certain times during the day and low expressions at others. But what we find when it comes to cortisol, particularly is when cortisol is out of balance, when cortisol is too high, that that does cause stress. And we know that when cortisol is over more high than what it should be, that this has a negative impact, not only on your stress of the body, uh, its impact on you being more in a sympathetic tone, its overall impact on the overall lipogenesis and the overall basically keeping fat on the body. Um, we find that drinking makes this even worse. And if you're having an increased level baseline of cortisol and you're consistently drinking caffeine or being overly caffeinated, many of the individuals we work with drink way too much caffeine or they wake up first thing in the morning drinking caffeine, you're putting this a huge amount of gasoline on the fire and making it damn near impossible to get out of a stress response. And with so many things also playing a role in this when it comes to poor motivation and overly utilization of technology and constantly needing sources of dopamine and utilizing self-soothing habits to continue to give you that dopamine fix when you're lacking that motivation creates an absolute hell for anyone who is trying to move trying to move past barriers that are keeping them from living a healthy lifestyle and it's 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 starting to shed so much light 
on things, especially when it comes to anxiety being a consequence of this as well. And we know that there are tons of individuals out there right now. Um, you know, it, it's especially for me, I, you know, being a both a coach and a professor, I'm dealing with di two different populations. I'm dealing with college kids and I'm dealing with middle-aged adults for the most part. And they both have the similar issue uh, oftentimes of utilizing alcohol, especially my college students. And what we see now, particularly do after the time of COVID, rates of depression uh, have gone through the roof uh, in all age groups, but in particular, college students. And one of the biggest things that college students do is they drink, um, particularly because this is usually that part of time where they start to find themselves. Um, they start to try and become more social. They need to be socially accepted, um, especially after COVID, where we had this period of time where there was no socialization uh, and a negative impact, which had a huge negative impact impact on our populations. Throw alcohol into this mix, no matter what the age group is, and it has an even more drastic impact on all of these specific areas um, that lead to increased stress, diminished moods and feelings of well-being, and causes your desire to drink even more and takes a lot of individuals down a bad, bad path. Um, and so... It becomes really, really difficult, especially for coaches who are trying to get people on the right track um, when it comes to these things. Alcohol just needs to not be a part of the equation because I know that many people will say, well, you can still drink alcohol and make, make progress and everything. And although I have demonstrated in the past in classes and in social media um, that you can drink and lose weight, the very first time that I went through a cut um, with my first coach, Robert Santana. Um, who I hold in high regard, he's a coach with Renaissance Periodization, um, was able to demonstrate this. Um, although it is not conducive, it, it's, not, it's not smart, um, you can still get away with having a drink or two every now and then and working into your macros. You know, Dr. Lane Norton gets on social media and says this a lot um, and says, sure, you can have alcohol. Um, you just need to work it into your macros for the most part, make sure you get good sleep and so on and so forth. Um, but it's still, it's still not recommended to do so, especially if you know that you're an impulsive person and that you struggle with depression and anxiety and all these types of things. And so, and if you know that you are that type of person, then it might be wise to utilize this time going through a fat loss phase or going through building strength or whatever it is that your goals are to allow yourself to become the new version of yourself first and abstain from drinking alcohol due to the impact that it can have on your overall health. Now, let's dive into how alcohol affects the gut liver brain access and your gut microbiome, because this is a big thing that is of hot topics right now, as far as what causes inflammation <clears throat> and what causes negative aspects to your health. And so we know that there are many good things that come from having healthy gut bacteria, whether it's related to motivation, whether it's related to uh, proper body weight maintenance. Um, and so, and what we know is that alcohol kills both good and bad bacteria. And so, and the importance of the gut liver brain access that we know is that it communicates through nerve cells, neurons, and nerve connections, the vagus nerve in particular, um, when it comes to neural signaling and how they can, and how the liver communicates with the brain. And what we know is that individuals that ingest alcohol are actually disrupting their gut microbiome and are affecting the trillions of microbacteria that live inside of this area. And so when alcohol disrupts that bacteria, 
we see a higher amount of inflammation that starts to occur in the body. This is, and we know this for sure. We know 100% that alcohol increases inflammation. And because inflammation is a big consequence of many of the other activities that we engage in, in unhealthy behaviors, overly eating processed foods, the imbalance of omega-3s, consumption to omega-6 and 9, the consumption of trans fats, the, uh, the increase in sedentary activity and poor physical activity, we see that it just has an even more drastic impact on our overall gut health. And it can lead to even further alcohol consumption. And it gives you that desire to drink more. And so, and oftentimes, and that, of course, that will lead to the increase in overconsumption of calories. And so, and what we know in order to improve and replenish that overall gut microbiome, um, you have to consume nutrients that people usually don't consume on the regular. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not going out of my way to eat kefir every single day. Um, but in order to re replenish the, the gut microbiome, we have to make sure that we are replenishing it with good bacteria, with fermented foods. And we know that actually the gut bacteria is, can also be related to a lot of neurological diseases as well. We know for sure that things like cataplexy and other neurological issues are related to this as well. And so in order to improve these neurological conditions uh, or even just improve health altogether is to utilize fermented foods to replace this good, healthy gut bacteria. And so foods such as sauerkraut, kefir, um, things like yogurt uh, that have a, uh, a good ratio of, uh, of bacteria. My, my favorite is using Greek yogurt to, to do this. Um, that's usually the, the number one way that I use to try and replenish healthy bacteria. And of course, of course you can do things like apple cider vinegar bleh, <laughs> or, um, or utilizing um, uh, kombucha, which is a very, very common strategy to utilize as well. Um, but if you, it's very, very important to make sure that we establish and repair the gut microbiome if we want to make sure that we reduce inflammatory markers in the body so that we can have a chance to improve our overall health. And so because if we want our stress to go back to normal levels and decrease anxiety and become a master of our overall behaviors, then we have to do what is possible to abstain from alcohol, at least until a time where we can get our health back to a point to where our neurons have recovered, our stress has gone down to baseline, and we learn to drink in moderation. Um, and so, and the biggest one I'd want to talk about now um, is alcohol and sleep. And you, all those who know me on this podcast and the community and at, 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 the, at the university know that I am big on sleep. And we know 100% for certain that any any sip of alcohol has a negative impact on your sleep. Um, the way that I like to describe it is think of alcohol as very similar to sleeping-related drugs. And sleeping-related drugs to help you sleep are sedatives more than they are actual sleeping aids. And what happens with this is there is actual, there's research that shows that sleeping aids like this are actually dangerous for you. They are not something that should be consumed um, due to the fact that you are not actually getting restorative sleep when it comes to consuming uh, these, these, these drug prescriptions. And so the same thing happens with alcohol. When you drink alcohol, it over time knocks out your prefrontal cortex. And as a result, uh, you're not 
actually going through any restorative uh, stages of sleep. And that's why you wake up thinking that you were blacked out and that you had the best sleep ever because you didn't toss and turn. No, that couldn't be further from the truth. You are actually more fragmented in your sleep than anything else. Um, And when you are fragmented in your sleep, you are not going through the proper stages of sleep to get proper restoration. And so, and as a result of this, think of the key in your car ignition going and trying to turn the engine over, over and over and over again, and just not being able to turn on the car. That's how I like to illustrate it in all of my courses. Uh, And it becomes very, very beneficial to abstain from alcohol at all costs in order to improve your sleep. And usually what I'll tell my individuals that I work with at the university and with with Evolve is if you're going to have any alcohol and you want to maximize sleep, A, don't drink it at all, (laughs) or B, try to not have any alcohol at least two to three hours before bed. And then when people hear that, they freak out because they're like, well, I want to have a glass of wine before I go to bed with my husband while I'm watching TV. I'm like, okay, I get it. Then if if that's your choice, then just be aware that that could potentially negative impact your sleep. Now, is one glass of wine or two glasses of wine going to be overall super detrimental to your sleep? Overall, it's not going to black you out. Um, It's not going to have this really drastic impact on your sleep. Um, But when you're doing it, if you're doing it in moderation, but if you're doing this consistently on a nightly basis, even one drink or two a night, this over time will definitely have a negative impact on your sleep because the impact on sleep uh, fragmentation that occurs and builds up over time will result in that accumulative sleep deprivation that will negatively impact your performance, your daytime sleepiness, and your overall cognitive function. So that is something that is not recommended at all. Further, alcohol causes constriction of the blood vessels. And when we constrict the blood vessels, all right, we actually have this negative impact. It's like a lot, if you were to relate this to anti inflammatory drugs, it has an even more potent response on inflammatory markers. And so, and when you, when you incur things like a hangover, it becomes even more difficult to recover from this hangover. And one of the major reasons why hangovers hurt so bad. Um, so pushing forward now into the overall, how to get over hangovers, you know, this one actually is fascinating. You know, I was, you know, I was researching, uh, a lot of what the people do for hangovers and actually found that doing things, you know, you need to hydrate first of all. Okay. Hydration is going to be the absolute first thing you can do. And oftentimes you need time. You need time for levels of acetylaldehyde to come down to reduce the impact that it has on the brain. And then you overall, actually, there's a cool uh, thing that I found. Uh, deliberate cold exposure uh, has actually been found to help the individuals who are struggling from uh, these types of things as well. Not only do cold, not only does cold exposure, either in the form of one to three minutes in the shower or cold plummeting in a in an ice bath, not only is this found to be in, increasing on dopamine throughout the day, which is great because that'll increase your motivation. And we know that <laughs> drinking alcohol has a negative impact on your motivation. Um, then we know that this could potentially also help regulate your core body temperature because we know that alcohol lowers your body core temperature. Um, so doing a cold shower indirectly causing your body to increase your body temperature it can be very, very important. It can help you throughout a hangover as well and accelerate uh, the rate at which you recover from this hangover. Um, but we also know that due to dehydration and the, the low... Um, the, the low ingestion of electrolytes is also an important factor here. And so being able to restore your hydration and making sure that you're getting a good ratio of electrolytes of 
uh, sodium to potassium and magnesium is going to be very, very important for this as well. Um, and so as we continue to move forward, and really start to talk about, all right, well, we're talking about all these negative things. What else could there be? And <laughs> unfortunately, we continue to see more and more issues, particularly related to the brain. And we find that individuals who consistently drink alcohol also have lower gray matter volume and white matter tracts in the brain. And when it comes to the overall importance of this, this has to do with the overall impulse rates of neurons. It has to do with the communication of the brain and can reduce overall cognitive function. We also see that there is a huge, huge association between alcohol and cancer risk, particularly breast cancer. And we see that for every 10 grams of alcohol consumed, there is at least a 4 to 13% increase in the risk of cancer, um, which is quite alarming. Um, when you think about that, because literally 10 grams of alcohol, well, that's that's not even one drink. Okay, One drink is anywhere from 10 to 14 grams of alcohol. And when you think about the amount of alcohol you're consuming when you binge drink, then you might be having upwards of five to six drinks, sometimes for an entire weekend, multiple days per row, um, really increasing your overall risk of multiple cancers, in particularly breast cancer. And for women that who have this in the, who potentially run in the family. This could make things even worse when it comes to predisposing them to different types of cancers and the types of mutations in DNA that alcohol can cause. Furthermore, it also has a drastic impact on your immune system. Uh, and if your immune system cannot combat a lot of the issues that happen in your body when it comes to these increase in inflammatory markers and the issues with free radicals, then it can even make the problem even worse. Um, so there's actually a lot of researchers that are coming out uh, now, and I actually picked this up from Dr. Andrew Huberman um, in one of his research reviews that he went over talking about alcohol, saying that uh, there's research that shows that it's adjusting as much as 10 to 15 grams of alcohol or one drink a day is the absolute same thing as smoking 10 cigarettes per day. And when I read that, that about floored my ass to the ground as far as the overall impact that alcohol has on the body. And that even one drink per day can cause just as much harm as cigarettes do because we know just how bad cigarettes are in any degree or capacity. And that increases our risk even more the same rate as just as alcohol does. And so in order to mitigate a lot of these things, you know, we, we wonder why, okay, well, what are some other things that are at risk? And we need to think about, you know, if, if you're trying to get pregnant, um, if you're trying to maximize the health of your own body to get pregnant um, as well, you know, alcohol also has negative impacts on the various micronutrients that are essential um, for not only overall health uh, for, for all genders, but, but for, for women in particular, it reduces levels of folate um, and, the, and particular B vitamins. And so if we're really trying to make sure that we are getting the most out of this, that we are, uh, especially when we're drinking, if we know that we're going to have the occasional drink, that we are including sources of food in our diet that are high in folate and, and B vitamins in particular to make sure that we are at our optimal health for this, because we know that alcohol actually strips these from the body um, and can actually reduce and make potentially make us deficient in these areas. Um, so the next areas that I want to talk about um, to before we get into actual practical tips on what to do 
to manage our health with this is looking at testosterone and estrogen. And when it, especially when it comes into middle-aged populations, these are very, very important when it comes to the overall impact of our fitness programs and just overall health in general. And we know that alcohol and its, its toxicity has a negative impact on testosterone and estrogen, in particular testosterone, because the increase in ingestion in alcohol will actually cause the increase in the metabolites that increase the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. And when it is overconsumed in men, that can lead to various risks that include things such as causing particular issues of not only converting testosterone to estrogen, um, but also causing issues in things like the placenta and the liver uh, of women, and even causing issues with, uh, with testicular function in men. Uh, and it also makes sure that we need to in inform that because of this increase in conversion of testosterone to estrogen, that we can see things like not only the risk of breast cancer in females, but also gynecomastia in guys. And for my guys who don't know what gynecomastia is, <laughs> it is man boob syndrome. Okay, we, we build up the fatty tissue uh, in the breast tissue area where the pectoralis major lies. And so if we want to make sure that we avoid this at all costs. We really need to moderate and regulate the level of alcohol we're consuming. And the biggest things that should really get my guy's attention out there, and this is something that I can even attest to myself when I've ever consistently drank, is that increased alcohol intake can decrease your sex drive, increase fat storage, and have other negative impacts, particularly in areas of libido. So we must be very, very careful when it comes to the ingestion of alcohol, you know, there it's, it, it's funny because alcohol has been such a big part of everybody's lives. Uh, I know in my family in particular, uh, just throughout our time, you know, we grew up, you know, Roman Catholics <laughs> and, and it's not uncommon to drink. And it's just, it's, it's funny to see how, you know, ceremonial and culturally accepted that alcohol is. And so, and once again, let me preface this by, you know, I am an individual who does enjoy the occasional drink. I, I have no desire to fully outright quit alcohol forever and say that I'm never going to have a drink. But if I know from my own personal experience of periods of time where I have been at my lowest and my, and been the most stressed out, um, that there were times where I didn't have control of my emotions or did have no, or had increased levels of anxiety. I just couldn't figure out why I was behaving in certain ways. Alcohol was definitely a part of the part of the routine at that time, um, where I was consistently drinking, particularly on the weekends with binge drinking and even having the occasional drink, uh, in the evenings. And then when I flash. Uh, backward to other times where I was at my absolute clearest, when I was my absolute healthiest, looked my healthiest, looked my youngest, felt the best in the gym, uh, responded the best to weight loss, and did very, very well twice uh, throughout my life doing a mock uh, physique competition cut where I just, I didn't do the comp, I didn't go on stage, I just did the weight loss um, and got ripped to shreds and got a six pack were times where I did not drink alcohol at all. That was also a time where I, my mind was also the sharpest, mindset was in the best place and had very, very little stress regardless of what actions were going on in my career, my life at that time. So I want to utilize my personal experiences with you. So to illustrate that alcohol, if you're someone who is struggling with 
building new habits or trying to figure out a better path in life or why you can't seem uh, to get ahead when it comes to building better habits, fighting anxiety, or being able to achieve fitness or weight loss related goals, and you're still consistently drinking, then I want to challenge you to just give it a shot give abstinence from alcohol just its two to six months time and see how it could potentially change your life for the better. And you might find indirectly that this could have been the potential source all along. Now, could this also play a, play a role in stopping drinking and that just influencing other behaviors that might also have these health benefits? Yes, 100%. All right. So despite it potentially being a confounding factor, if we were to relate this to science and research, right, if it had that type of impact that would just implore you to do better habits altogether, then by all means, all right, because that would never be a bad thing and could only be awesome for your health. And so I just want to end on a couple of tips for those individuals who do want to moderate it into their lifestyle, particularly if they know that they are going to be traveling or if they're going on vacation, because lo and behold, I know that, you know, when I graduate this semester that I will be having a drink or two to celebrate, um, you know, every, when I had my one year anniversary with my girlfriend. Yes, we had a drink or two. Um, when I know that I'm going to be seeing, you know, going, uh, having a staycation, you know, with, with my significant other, we will be having a drink or two then, you know, in moderation, it's okay. And so just to set up yourself for success, if you know that you're going to be drinking alcohol, do your best to choose options that are low calorie, that don't have any extra additives. Be sure to watch out for the high calorie cocktails. Make sure that you are consuming high levels of protein. Sometimes I'll also advise doing the thing where you have at least one whole thing of water in between each drink so that keeps you from over drinking as well. Do your best uh, to abstain from drinking late into the evening to make sure that you are staying on top of your sleep at all costs and giving your body time to metabolize the alcohol is always a big recommendation I like to make. Um, and making sure that you are being physically active at all costs as well when it comes to consuming alcohol. If you're the type of person who knows that you have to do these things for business meetings or so on and so forth, then just stick to one and nurse that thing as long as you possibly can, or no more than one or two. I challenge you all to really listen to this as far as what the negative impact of alcohol is, and potentially abstaining from alcohol um, just temporarily, and just to improve your relationship with it, and just to reduce your overall intake. I'm not saying quit. I am not quitting. Um, but just to have a better relationship overall, and to see the potential improvements in your life that it could have overall. I really want to challenge you all with this. Um, so if you have any questions for us at the Evolved Athletes, uh, at the Evolved Athlete Podcast, please be sure to reach out to us on our Instagram pages. As always, the Evolved Coaches want to bring you all the best in science, fitness, exercise, uh, nutrition and wellness and everything in between. For all those things Evolved, please listen to the outro. And as always, continue to listen and drive. Please give us a like and a subscription and please drop a review. Please share these podcasts with all that you know. Let's spread the word about how to become the best Evolved athletes of all time. I've been Coach P and I'll see you in the next one. Coach P's out.
You want to work with us and becoming the best version of yourself? Be sure to check our coaching application down in the bio to get more information about how to get the best in fitness and nutrition coaching from the Evolve Coaches. Be sure to check out all of our information and great content we put out every single day on our Instagram and our Facebook group. Be sure to check us out on EvolveHealthAndPerformance.com for more information and keep tuning in to the Evolved Athlete Podcast for the best in everything fitness, nutrition, and becoming the best version of yourself. We'll see you in the next one. Evolve Team out. Yeah.